Hello and welcome to Talking Property with CBRE. My name is David Gipple from the Debt and Structured Finance team at CBRE and I'm your host for today's episode. Uncertainty over lenders' willingness to provide loans and on what terms is a concern being faced by both investors and borrowers alike in the current environment. There is evidence that there is a weight of capital sitting on the sidelines ready to invest, but transaction activity is slow, primarily due to COVID-19 related issues, and that includes the provision of debt. Lenders are no doubt being selective and are less willing to provide the usual volume of debt financing on terms borrowers have been used to. Credit risk has been repriced, and in addition to a more conservative approach being adopted by lenders, this has caused concern for both existing and new borrowers. The COVID-19 pandemic and the lack of clarity on availability of debt is an issue for us all, so over the next 20 minutes we'll be discussing the current situation. I'm joined by Andrew McCasker, my colleague from the Debt and Structured Finance team, who hopefully has some answers for you all. Hello, Andrew. Hello, David. So let's start by asking, what have you seen has been the impact so far from COVID-19 for the banks and lenders generally? Yeah, look, that's an interesting question. At Debt and Structured Finance, we have the opportunity to connect with all of the domestic Australian banks as well as offshore banks and international non-bank providers. What we've seen from the Australian banks and heard from the Australian banks is that currently they are managing the situation that's being created as a result of the government shutdown throughout Australia. So what does this mean is that people that are borrowers are potentially impacted by the ability for them to be able to continue to earn income from their investments and meet their interest costs to the banks. The other impact, of course, is uh, what's going to happen with valuations. What we are seeing is the banks and offshore lenders are looking to push out covenant monitoring. So whereas covenants may be monitored quarterly or half-yearly for interest cover ratios and LBRs, we're seeing these testing periods being moved to the back end of the 2020 calendar year. So we're expecting full covenant testings to start back in September and December of 2020 for existing borrowers. Now, what we may see with this is that as the COVID-19 impacts continue to roll through the Australian economy, and the grace period that the banks have provided to borrowers, that at some point during that period, uh, the banks and the borrowers will need to make decisions about their ongoing viability of their investment and of the loan that they have with the organisation. So we've both been around long enough. Do you think this is the same as what we went through during the GFC in 2008? I think the process is going to be the same. So the decisions that the banks take around management of potential or uh, impaired loans going forward will ultimately be the same process as what they follow through the GFC. The biggest difference that we have now is that the GFC was as a result of a, a capital shortage crisis and the banks truly didn't have the monies to be able to support and lend for not only existing clients but for potential new clients and people looking for acquisitions. The situation we're in the moment has been caused by COVID-19. The Australian banks, as are the world banks, have never been better capitalised as a result of Basel III, which was an outcome from GFC. And in Australia in particular, APRA have overlaid a, a further allocation of capital against commercial real estate. So whilst the management of the loans and the management of the borrowers going forward may take the same line as GFC, the biggest benefit we have is that the lenders are not short of capital in the Australian market. 
Yeah, I think the experience that we both had during 2008 on either side of the fence, you as a lender and I as a borrower, there was definitely a, um, a liquidity issue as a result of the, the GFC. Um, it's certainly not the case, I don't think, this time. But I do think we'll see a greater competition of capital internally within the banks for them to allocate their balance sheets. And the best example, I don't know if you recall, when in 2008, the business that I was at at the time, we were looking to acquire an asset which was circa $180 million backed by a 15-year state government lease. We're only seeking a 50% LVR loan, so $90 million in total. And I recall vividly that we couldn't get one Australian bank to fund the full $90 million. The solution came in a club loan between two of the Australian banks for $45 million each, which was basically the, um, the allocation that they had at the time. So do you see that event sort of occurring again as this evolves over time? Yeah, look, I think absolutely, David, that we're going to see a competition of capital from within the bank. So whilst I say the banks are really well capitalised, that's a good balance sheet and support side of things. But the banks also need to make decisions around what's going to be their best return on capital. And traditionally, commercial real estate lending or property lending has not been as profitable as other lending into the Australian market. So competition for capital will be absolute. And I also see that issue with the domestic banks and the, the competition for capital as providing a great opportunity for offshore banks and non-banks to increase their exposure into the Australian market. Yeah, and no, I think that's a valid point. Um, so since the event that is COVID-19, we've seen the banks assess their risk as landlords have been doing at the same time. Have you seen an impact on funding costs and those that have been passed on to borrowers in terms of higher interest rates? Definitely an impact in funding costs. And again, if I just revert back to the GFC, when I was working for uh, one of the major Australian banks, all the banks moved quickly to change their risk margins, predominantly driven off the cost of capital increasing because, again, it was a capital crisis. The ability to access the capital was difficult and expensive. So the banks tried to pass on a majority of that liquidity cost or capital cost to the market. We don't have that now, but what we do have is a, an increase in risk premium. So a bit of uncertainty about what the future looks or the immediate future looks for the banks. Uh, and as a result of that, pricing has changed. We've seen on our traditional investment style net for three or five years, we've seen banking price move from anywhere between 50 basis points to 100 basis points. Now, that seems like a lot, but if we then look at the yield curve, so the one, the fixed rates from one through to 10 years, and even the BBSY, so BBSY today is trading at 20 basis points, which is unheard of. We've got five-year fixed rates at 45 basis points and 10-year fixed rates at 90 basis points. So what we're seeing is whilst the margins have moved out, we've seen the yield curve sell off. So on a net-for-net basis, the pricing that borrowers are achieving today is not much different than what they would have been achieving six months ago. And look, certainly as part of the central bank's response to COVID-19, they've been very active in that shorter end of the curve as well, buying three-year government bonds, which we understand is a, is a big part of the overall policy response to trying to keep borrower costs as low as possible. And effectively, that supports has seen those base rates up to three years at all-time lows that ultimately assist um, those, those funding costs. So if you're an existing borrower and being affected 
at the moment. What's your advice? Just before I answer that, David, I might just go back to the comment you made about the government standing in the market um, up to that three-year bond rate. Do you see the government continuing to do that for an extended period of time, or is there a line in the sand that they just say no more? Well, it depends what they consider to be normal. Um, I mean, as I said, the support from what we understand at the federal government level is to heavily support SME borrowers. So therefore, funding costs, debt costs are basically in any business the highest expense on a profit loss basis. The support at the three-year level is interesting. There has been indications that they may extend that to the longer part of the curve as time goes on, but it all comes back to how quickly we all recover post, you know, everyone getting back to work and and going back to whatever the new normal is. So it's all a timing exercise from that perspective. Picking up on your question around the existing borrowers and, and what's our advice, the number one thing that we're talking to our clients about now is communication and factual-based information. So within our business, we specialise in engaging with not only banks but the non-banking market or alternate debt finances. And what we have been doing is ensuring that we are having our clients proactively engaging with the lenders. So being able to talk to the lenders around what the impact is going to be of COVID. So if we take, for example, a retail asset that one of our lenders owns, um, there's requests for rental abatements, there's tenants that are leaving shops altogether. And what we are doing is looking at what the cash flow is today, looking at what the cash flow is in the future, and also identifying what the covenants are. And then going to the lender with a solution-based response as opposed to, here's the problem, tell me what you need me to do. Great advice. And what about funding of new acquisitions? In an environment where banks are being tending to be a bit more conservative and the availability of term debt or debt on terms that are satisfactory to borrowers, what's your recommendation there? Look, we we have been advised by the banks that they are actively supporting their existing client base for new acquisitions. What we are seeing, though, is that the banks are very focused on managing their current loan book as they work through the the COVID-19 issues. So whilst they may be willing to support existing borrowers buying new acquisitions, the impact on their ability to deliver an approval in a expected timeframe could be an impediment. So we are we're seeing timeframes for processing of applications through to approvals have blown out quite a bit. And we see that being the norm, um, certainly for the remainder of the 2020 year. And so that mainly relates to the domestic banks. Unfortunately, being part of a, a global company with a very large debt platform, there are obviously alternatives to the domestic banks. Can you give any guidance or recommendations for anyone listening to debt solutions along those lines? Definitely, David. As, as you indicated, we are fortunate as a business uh, for debt and structured finance to have arrangements with a number of offshore, not only banks, but offshore non-bank debt providers. And I do need to stress when sometimes we talk about non-bank debt providers, people think of lender of last resort or loan to own. But these groups that we deal with are insurance companies, life companies, mutual funds, securities companies, and they are looking at doing bank-styled debt to get bank-styled returns. And where their competitive is in covenant managing and also in term. So, yes, the domestic banks are in the market and looking to support existing clients, but we are fortunate because it's a different situation to the GFC. 
that the non-banks are looking to participate at quite a reasonable level into the Australian market. So as we see the market become tighter, the non-banks from the international market and the international banks uh, will continue to increase their commitment into the Australian market with the view of attracting high-quality sponsors with good-quality transactions. So, Andrew, what can we expect from both the domestic banks and the offshore lenders moving into the future? Yeah, so if we look at the domestic banks first, uh, once they get through the initial understanding of what their loan book looks like and how they can manage it going forward, particularly come the end of September where we see the government stimulus package start to fall away, we will start to see a bit more of an impact in the Australian economy and what the true position looks like and how that's going to affect the property market and, and people's ability to be able to continue to make interest. So the banks will be very closely watching that. They'll be looking for economic indicators for uh, recovery. And like every organisation, we'll be doing a significant amount of research about what the future is going to look for. They'll be managing capital. They'll be looking to ensure that they can manage their returns and invest their capital into loans, which will give them the best return. At the end of the day, the banks are a public-owned vehicle and the shareholders are looking for shareholder return. And we've seen impact already in a number of the banks with their half-yearly reporting, allocating large amount of provisions with the tagline of COVID-19 and what that impact has been on their their half-year results. So obviously the banks will be looking to start to claw that back and improve their profitability position. For the offshore groups, again, this is an opportunity for the offshore groups to increase their market share into the Australian platform. The offshore groups, as I mentioned before, the life companies, mutual funds, insurance companies, they are pro-Australia. They're they're positive with the Australian market. They like the transparency uh, for us to invest into the Australian market on their behalf. Uh, So they see this as an opportunity for them to be able to increase their exposure into the Australian market and being able to attract high-quality clients with good-quality transactions to be able to support their platform going forward. I think the the other thing to highlight is that the biggest issue of being an existing borrower or potentially a new borrower domestically is each of the banks are in and out of the market depending on how they're managing their balance sheets. So if you've got a great relationship with one of the Australian banks and you turn up that quarter and industrial or distribution centres are are not on their radar, then you could potentially have some issues around setting the debt. The benefit with our practice and our business in debt and structured finance is that we're connected with all of the domestic banks, a lot of the offshore banks and a number of the offshore uh, non-bank providers. So we're able to quickly understand the risk profile of the transaction you're looking at and then place it with the relevant party that has capital that matches the risk profile and the returns that they're looking to achieve at a cost that the borrower is looking to pay. Okay, thanks, Andrew, for that insight. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening to Talking Property with CBRE. Please do not hesitate to reach out to Andrew or I or any of the debt and structured finance team to discuss the topics that have been discussed today. If you like the show and want to check out more, please visit cbre.com.au forward slash talking property.